0: I'm an EMT, and definitely a large majority of calls that Villanova and Radnor Ambulance Services receive are related to alcohol intoxication.
1: That's Elizabeth Dimitratos. She just graduated from Villanova University with a major in cognitive and behavioral neuroscience, with a minor in classical studies.
0: Obviously, many people engage in drinking socially or... In general but not everybody develops an alcohol use disorder so understanding the causes that go into that transition from being a casual social drinker to developing a problem like an alcohol use disorder is definitely important
1: you're listening to research that resonates a podcast from villanova university's college of Liberal arts and sciences that takes you inside the labs and classrooms to learn from our distinguished faculty and students. I'm your host, Chelsea Girard. In this mini-series, we're talking to research teams who study genetics. I sat down with Dr. Benjamin Sachs and two of his student researchers to talk about the correlations they found between gender, stress, and alcohol use.
2: So I'm Ben Sachs. I'm an assistant professor in psychology and brain sciences. I'm Elizabeth Dimitrados And I'm Leah Waltrip.
1: Elizabeth has been working in Dr. Sachs' lab since her first year at Villanova, and Leah joined his research team in her junior year. She graduated in 2020 with a double major in cognitive and behavioral neuroscience and peace and justice. There used to be different diagnoses between alcoholism and alcohol abuse, But the American Psychiatric Association has replaced these different types of disorders with one umbrella term, alcohol use disorders, or AUD. We know there is a genetic component to AUDs, but we also know there are environmental factors. Here's Leah.
3: Alcohol use disorders exhibit heritability in some way, so we know that um, if it's heritable, it means that there's a genetic component to it. What that genetic component is necessarily we're not entirely sure um we know that stress and sex are both involved but we still don't know exactly what these factors are but we also know that not everyone whose parents had an aud develop an aud so there has to be environmental factors that are also impacting this which is where i think the stress comes in and it's a big component of most development of alcohol use disorder
1: elizabeth's research looked at those environmental factors specifically stress and she found some really interesting data, both about the type of stress, chronic versus acute, and the differences between males and females.
0: One of the most major findings from what I've been working on is that it's only a period of chronic stress that will give you an increase in ethanol consumption in these mice, whereas acute stress, so stress for only a four-day period, does not show any increase, significant increase in ethanol consumption. So it definitely is a chronic effect that we're looking at in terms of stress and binge drinking.
1: Her other key finding was related to gender. When put under chronic stress, the female mice who indulged in binge drinking released more endorphins than the male's. You are probably familiar with endorphins, or have at least heard of them. But here's Dr. Sachs to explain a bit more about what the term means.
2: So endorphin comes from like endogenous morphine. So morphine being an opioid drug is very rewarding. Uh, So endorphins play a role in endogenous reward. So like if you eat something yummy and feel good about it, that's probably partially endorphin mediated. For those of us lucky enough to get like runner's high, where you like run really far, but then instead of like being just in pain, you feel good. Uh, That's also thought to be endorphin mediated. And there's a lot of evidence now that endorphins play a role in how we respond to drugs of abuse. So part of why a drug that we might take makes us feel good and we want to take it again is because it can stimulate release of endorphins. And one of the major treatments for alcohol alcoholism or alcohol use disorders, if I want to be more accurate, is like an endorphin blocker or an opioid receptor blocker. Uh, So we think that uh, the endorphin system is involved in the rewarding effects of alcohol and other drugs. So the fact that there are these sex differences in how much endorphins or the receptors there are could partially explain why there's differences between the sexes in drinking behavior.
1: Elizabeth's research helps inform the rest of the work that the lab is doing with a specific gene called TPH2.
2: So the main gene that we're interested in is TPH2, which is the gene that makes serotonin. So there was a group of researchers at Duke who found a mutation in this gene in a group of depressed patients. And then they went on to see if that mutation in the gene actually messes up the gene's function, and they found that it did. So then they made a mouse that expresses the mutant form of the gene, not the normal form of the gene. So mice that have that mutation only make about a third as much serotonin as a normal mouse would. And presumably people that would have that mutation would also only have about a third of the serotonin.
1: There is research that serotonin deficiency plays a role in alcohol use disorders, but the evidence for that is lagging. In his lab, Dr. Sachs is trying to build a pretty strong case that the mutated TPH2, which causes serotonin deficiency, does play a role in AUDs. Leah looked at male and female mice with this TPH2 mutation. Here she is.
3: So I researched male mice, but then compared it to data that we had previously on female mice, and we found that brain serotonin deficiency, so the mice that we're using in the lab that have Reduced serotonin, the TPH mice, uh, TPH2Ki mice, uh, confers susceptibility to stress-induced binge drinking behavior in females, but not the male mice. So basically the females were more susceptible to this um, binge drinking following stress if they had the brain serotonin deficiency.
1: So the females with the genetic mutation, and thus a serotonin deficiency, were more susceptible to binge drinking. As for the males... They will need to conduct further research, Dr. Sachs explains.
2: We're still trying to figure out whether males also have increased susceptibility, but we would have to increase the stress duration or intensity for that because right now, none of the males are increasing their drinking after stress, regardless of their genotype.
1: What could this research mean for AUD treatment? There are a few existing treatments for alcoholism, but not many that are very effective.
2: There's a number of drugs that people try for alcohol use disorders, none of them are that effective. Like there are several that beat placebo, but usually they don't really help a large percentage of people. So I've talked a little bit about naltrexone, which is this like anti-opioid drug also called like Vivitrol. Um, That one got approved, so it does better than like a sugar pill, but I still, I think it's something like 17% 17% effectiveness. So there's a huge range, like room for improvement there. Um, and it might be that if we can find subpopulations with like genetic predisposition or genetic uh, factors that make them more or less responsive, we might be able to select one medication over another.
1: So, in theory, if Dr. Sachs' research team is able to better identify what is happening on a molecular level in the brain preceding, during, or after binge drinking episodes, we can develop pharmacological treatments that specifically target the problem. Here's Leah.
3: So, basically, if we're able to figure out what the molecular underpinnings are that explain why we're seeing these effects in the mice... Um, we're much more likely to be able to develop a pharmacological target that could help people. Um, and mice, at first, it would be tested in, but also end up helping people long-term. So if you're able to figure out, uh, say, an individual who's under frequent stress is um, then relapsing more often, you're able to help the people who are not responding to current interventions.
1: As college students, this research can hit close to home, as drinking is often an outlet for stressed students.
3: I think I see more frequently my alarm bells go off when I see students drink uh, when they say that they're really stressed. Um, I think for me personally, that is something that I'm more like, oh, maybe don't do that. Maybe find better stress coping (laughs) mechanisms. Um, But the reality is a lot of people do do that. Um, So I think that has made me more hyper aware of how I try to interact with my friends when I see that they're stressed in like what capacity I can support them in it's not like oh my god let's go out (laughs) but rather (laughs) let's find a way to take care of you
1: thanks for listening to research that resonates we've produced two other mini-series one on sustainability and one on the intersection of youth and identity you can check those out on apple podcasts Google Play, and Spotify.